Merry Christmas. My name is Brad Watson, and this is the Saturate Podcast's Advent devotional called Preparing Room. This is a 25-day reflective journey through the themes of Advent, as well as the themes of being the people God called us to be, so I hope that you will enjoy it. In addition to this devotional, we also have resources on Advent that I'd love for you to check out at saturatetheworld.com. One is the Advent Community Guide, which will help you have engaging conversations throughout this season as your community gets together. There's also crafts and coloring sheets for children, as well as alternative ways to use it with your children and family gatherings. So it's a great resource just to use with families as well. Also, we have a holiday missional community planning guide that will help leaders engage and plan for this season so that people will grow in your community in their love for God during this season, their love for one another in this season, and their love for their neighbor this season. So make sure you check both of those out. And with that, let's engage today's reflection. A Child in Big Government On May 19, 2018, Prince Harry of England married Meghan Merkel in Windsor, England. The event was marked by the usual fanfare of such weddings, noble people, uh, important people, extravagant clothing, international media, commentary, vows, sermon, a bridal veil, and love. There are a few notable or unique things that happen. Megan walked herself two-thirds of the way down the aisle until her father-in-law, Prince Charles, walked with her the last third. But by no means was he the one that gave her away. Furthermore, Megan was also the first black and white person to marry into the royal family. Even more unconventional, she also wasn't of nobility, she had been divorced, she was an actress and an American. This wedding, though Harry is quite far from the throne and all of those previously mentioned factors, this wedding became the most watched royal wedding in history, more watched than the wedding between William and Kate, and more than his father's wedding, Harry's father's wedding, to Lady Diana. But most ordinarily, however, even though it was so watched and there were all these factors on display, it was just a wedding. The morning after, though, a journalist for an international news magazine wrote an article with this headline, This Wedding Changes Everything. The journalist went on to note everything I just mentioned and expound on how the ceremony was transforming international politics, racism, sexism, and even religious strife all in one swoop. Implied in this is that elections, education, fame, power, laws, military, Hollywood, and even weddings can heal our broken world, and this wedding had just done it. However, the other headlines from that day in the United States were about the president potentially being subpoenaed, about a school shooting in Texas, and a falling apart of the nuclear talks with North Korea. And yet, a wedding in Windsor, England had changed everything. It's understandable to hope in that sort of transformation, that variety of world peace. It's a lovely sentiment. That the love and union of two highly famous people could change the world. 
After all, in our society, fame facilitates change. Plus, they're two highly educated people. Two highly talented people. Which in our post-enlightened viewpoint leads to the greatest types of change. You know, education, talent, and reason are the beginning of world change. Add to all these factors, the ethnic and historical background, TV ratings, and the wardrobe, and it's not hard to explain this changes everything. Even though we all know it doesn't. We all know the world doesn't work that way. World peace doesn't arrive that way. Power and personality do not solve the world's deep problems of injustice, evil, and war. In fact, we instinctively know this wedding likely won't change a human heart outside the two central figures who exchange vows, and maybe perhaps their future children. Their hearts will be changed by this wedding. And here lies the problem, though. If all the talent, if all the power, if all the fame, and if all the beauty in the world can't defeat the anxiety, depression, anger, and angst within your own heart. How could it transform the world? And what what could transform the world? If, if they couldn't do it, what could bring peace? The promise in the story of God says a child, a son, and his government or his rule will do it. Isaiah 9 2 through 7 says this it says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned and you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder for as in the day of midian's defeat you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulder and the rod of their oppressors, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire, meaning all the stuff of war will be burned up. And this is the kicker. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is Isaiah's prophecy of the coming peace on earth. Isaiah poetically introduces a Messiah who carries the weight of the world. Everything on his shoulders. Meaning, when Mary held Jesus on the first Christmas, she held the shoulders who would carry the injustice of all humanity. The one who would increase joy, the one who would be light who would be victorious over death, born to reign in this world. That's who she held, Jesus. The son born able, the son born willing, the son born purposefully set on bearing the burden of sin, death, and evil. The whole 
of everything wrong in our culture and politics and cities are made right through him and under his rule. Through the ruling or through his government, all things rest neatly on his shoulders because he is the prince of peace and his government has no end. And his law is peace. Wherever he reigns, his thriving and his flourishing will be there too. His law is love. A system will be transformed. Everything that that holds and manipulates and drives our society will be built and formed by him and him alone. And he will uphold it. It won't come in waves. It won't be a, a term that he serves. He will uphold this way from this time on and forevermore. And then it says at the end, the passion of Jesus will accomplish these things. The Lord Almighty's zeal will accomplish this thing. His love for you and me and this world he created will drive him to bring this peace. He is the one that changes everything. He is the one that brings peace. In January 2017, President Barack Obama gave his farewell address in Chicago in front of his loving family, his staff, his colleagues, his friends, and a few of his biggest fans. And in that speech, this Nobel Peace Prize winner and Grammy Award winner, best-selling author and leader of the free world who had spoken before the United Nations and commanded the most powerful army in the world said this. He said, what we desperately need in this country is a change in our hearts. See, after all the laws he fought for, all the speeches he had given, all the fundraisers he had held, all the military actions he had taken, and all the negotiations that he had won and lost, this hope and change president looked into the eyes of his country and he said, nothing will work until our souls are transformed. The former president acknowledged our government will not bring peace. Not to you, not to your relationships, not to this world. Something else must bring peace and transform our hearts. Essentially, he's saying we are just fumbling around in darkness. We need a different type of king. We need a different kind of ruler, a different kind of of system, one that can get into your heart and my heart and make us whole. We need a king. We need a child. We need a son. We need a prince of peace. We need a counselor. We need light in this present darkness. We need Jesus, and he is the only one that can bring peace, my friends. He is the only one that could ever be the answer to what Barack Obama lamented. He's the only peace that could actually change the world. That coming wedding where the church and the bride says to to our Savior, come, and in which Jesus the groom says, come to his bride. And that coming end of the world when we are united with Christ, that marvelous celebration, that, that union between Man and God, that wedding changes everything, and that is peace on earth.
Wait, before you go, I just want to say a few things about a new resource that's come out recently called The Gospel Basics for Kids. It's an amazing resource that we hope that you'll check out. It's for preschool-aged children, and it guides these kids through discussions and story and music and crafts and illustrations and coloring sheets, all to introduce these young children to the important discipleship uh, realities of gospel, identity, rhythms, and essentially the way that we teach and train and disciple adults, we're doing it for kids because our children are not the disciples of the future. They're the disciples of today. And so go to saturatetheworld.com or amazon.com to learn more about the gospel basics for kids and get your copy.